KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon continuing on here. Zubin Mahente from ESPN Sports Center coming up in about 20 minutes in his regular spot. But as promised, let's start things off as we head south to the Kansas City area. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Stars. We talk Big 12 and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs with Blair. Blair, Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on. Blair, I guess we I want to start with you. Just uh, you know, your reaction to the news that you saw on Saturday night, like the rest of the uh, NFL fans and sports world uh, out there, with uh, the retirement of Andrew Luck. Two-part question, so obviously it was a shock. I'm assuming, and then B, what does this do going forward with a you know the Colts team seemingly taking at least you would think a step back? They looked as though the Chiefs and the Colts were built for years to come here in the next uh, few certainly. So two parts. Why don't you start with those two, Blair? Yeah, I, I think I think you're right about uh, you know speaking for the latter. Um, you know, I, I had the Colts win in the division, and of course, uh, Colts and the Chiefs met in the playoff game last year. So um, you know, it turns out that. Andrew Luck's final game as a as an NFL player, him in this retirement hold, was at Arrowhead Stadium. Forgot all about that divisional playoff game. Yep. So through a touchdown pass, but but Chiefs ended up winning the game, doing a good job defensively on him. But um, it, it changes the, a little bit of the balance of power, certainly in the in that division where the Colts were the favorite because of him. And I've seen all the Vegas odds, uh, you know, change dramatically about. Uh, you know about who's who's going to win the AFC South. So, you know, I had the Patriots and the Chiefs on sort of that top tier of the AFC, but then the Colts uh, right there behind them, and I, I figured them for a playoff team. I'm I'm not sure that that is the case. We'll see how Jacoby Brissett handles it. I mean, he's taken all the you know, the first team snaps with uh, you know with the Colts, and we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens. But um, it, it was uh, it was a shock for sure. I. You know, it's funny. I've seen the the stories on social media about one of the most shocking um, retirement announcements that anybody can remember. And I'm old enough to remember, first of all, Magic Johnson's uh, yes. retirement announcement in, in I think it was 1990 or 91 mm-hmm. or whatever when he when he you know had AIDS, and then Michael Jordan's uh, retirement announcement when he got into minor league baseball. So um, it, it, it was a shocking development for sure, and the, well, the timing of it was. You know, it was also unique after, you know, preseason game or during preseason game number three when Schefter's tweet got out and the word got out about it. Blair Kirkhoff joining us. Blair, uh, let's jump into this Chiefs team. Preseason, it's just so different. It has evolved so much with, you know, what we saw with the Rams and them doing the last couple of years. The Bears have been a big part of that with Nagy, Andy Reid, not playing a lot of the guys a whole lot of time. What do we know? What's changed about this team from the summertime? And, and expectations, obviously, huge going in here to 2019. It is. I, th- I think um, uh, it, the starters played less for Andy Reid than any preseason I can remember, Only on offense, only five series total um, in the first three preseason games. And then they wrap up in Green Bay on Thursday, and starters won't, won't play. I'm going to ask them today if they're even going to travel. So. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, so yeah, you don't want Patrick Mahomes standing on the sideline getting pulled right. over or something. So, um, it's a, um, 
uh, I think the offense has been – it could be even better than last year when they were the third most productive offense in NFL history with you know, with all the players back, you know, not only Mahomes, but Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, who's healthy this year, um, uh, never was at, at last season. And then they had this uh, this rookie, their, their first draft pick, a guy they took in the second round named McCole Hardman, wide receiver from Georgia, who's who's got terrific speed and – so I think the Chiefs' offense actually got better, but the biggest the biggest change is on the defensive side, where they fired Bob Sutton right after the season. The coordinator brought in Steve Spagnolo and uh, and then switched out half of the starters. The and the most prominent ads were Frank Clark mm-hmm. on the line and Teran Matthew, the Honey Badger at safety. And um, and, and I, I think it's uh, it's going to take a little while for this defense to. You know, to come together, but I, I just think it's better. They have better personnel on that side of the ball than they did a year ago when they finished 31st in the NFL in total defense. So I'm I'm optimistic that the, the if the Chiefs can just be somewhere in the middle of the pack defensively with this offense, I, I think you've got. Um, I think you've got a Super Bowl contender. I do too. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star. We'll get to the Big 12 in just a few minutes here with Blair. Blair, there's been some rumors out there that Tyreek Hill is being shopped around. Do you buy that? No, not at all. Uh, not at all. I, I, uh, he is next to Patrick Mahomes, uh, along and along with Travis Kelsey, the most important offensive piece. And you, you remove his dynamic from the offense, it, it changes. It just changes the you know, what what the Chiefs can do. So he is such a threat, um, uh, you know, uh, from so many different places on the field. I, I think he's just a, a an unmovable player for the Chiefs. It, you know, Andy Reid loves his offensive toys, and Tyreek Hill may be uh, next to Mahomes, his, his most favorite toy. So it, it's not going to, you know, he, has, he had the offseason problems and, and caused the organization a big headache in the spring. Uh, that's behind. I, I know he'll, he'll probably hear some reaction when they go on the road this season, but uh, but the Chiefs have uh, it's, it's in the past, and, um, and and he is a I think he is a an untouchable player for the Chiefs. Running back positions interesting. Looks like uh, it's going to be Williams as the starter. They signed Carlos Hyde. He's looked absolutely brutal, and then a guy that's looked really good has been Darwin Thompson. Yet. The latest depth chart, he's listed fourth. Help us out here. We know it's going to be Mahomes chucking it around. Who's going to be running the football? Well, Damian Williams is going to be get the first call. And, you know, interesting guy. He started the, he started the 2018 season third on the depth chart behind Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. Um, Hunt gets suspended, you know, with after about the 10th or 11th game. Ware goes down after game 13. And, and then Damian Williams comes in. Uh, and starts the final three regular season games in both playoff games, and he was terrific in the playoffs. So he um, he went he left exited last season number one. He entered this season number one, and that that hasn't changed. But you mentioned uh, Darwin Thompson, the six round draft pick out of Utah State, one year of FBS football. He spent uh, a couple seasons in junior college in Oklahoma. He's he's been terrific. He's been probably the the, the biggest camp story. He's a little guy. He's five eight, about 190 pounds, but but tough as nails and quick as a cat. And he'll he'll uh, he'll be part of this offense this season. Um, Daryl Williams is the third running, second or third, depending on how they how they play it. But those are the three primary running backs. I do think you need four, and if you need four, Carlos Hyde will stay with the team. But 
he has not had a good camp. He's not had a good preseason. He fumbled in the next game at Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. He, um, I would not be surprised if he is cut. Uh, we move to the Big 12 with Blair Kirkhoff for the Kansas City Star. Blair, uh, Desmond Howard had a couple of uh, opinions on game day this past Saturday. Thinks Iowa State can win the Big 12, which isn't crazy to think if everything goes their way. He also said that he believes Kansas is going to win six football games in Les Miles' first year. Uh, when, when you heard that, if you heard that, uh, uh, what do you think the chances are of that happening? Uh, none. Uh, no, no, uh, no. It's just not going to happen. It's not. It's not to suggest that uh, he's not the, the the right guy or hasn't done good things because he has done some good things. The only the only way to measure what what's going on with Kansas or with any program that's hired a new coach is you know how he's been received by the public and what kind of recruiting successes are you know is he having and 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 he has scored well on both counts and they're. Um, they, they've done really well on the recruiting trail. Getting uh, they picked up a four-star linebacker out of Dallas, or commitment from a four-star linebacker, um, just uh, in the last week or so. He's um, his star power has been um, effective, and, and it really. And, and I think Kansas is going to make progress under under Les Miles. But this is a team that went three and nine a year ago. Its best record, by the way, matching its best record in the last decade, mm. and they lost a ton of players from that team. And I, it's just not going to happen for Kansas this year. Not, I, I think for for Kansas football followers, uh, and there's still a few. Uh, I think that if um, if they just appear a little more organized, fewer penalties, better special teams, the places where effort shows. Uh, you know, fewer turnovers, then I, I think that'll that'll be a good sign. But no, they, he's not even naming a starting quarterback before uh, he'll do it on Saturday. I guess we'll, we'll know on Saturday when they take the field. Um, but it, it's uh, no, no, no. Uh, Kansas is not. Uh, they, they deserve their their tenth place uh, prediction. How about over in Manhattan, year number one of Chris Kleiman taking over for the legend? Well, we saw this earlier with Ron Prince, and it didn't go swimmingly. Expectations in year number one for Kleiman and. Overall, did they get the right guy? Well, I th- I think so. I, I, I it's going to be difficult for for climate. I think in a couple ways. One is um, he's he's used at North Dakota State. Look, they were they were fantastic. The, the program was the best in the country at that level. Every week he went into a game knowing he was better with his players than the opponent. Uh, it, every week, uh, it just was. It, it just that they were that good. It's absolutely not the case at Kansas State, and so it's it's going to take some coaching up, and you know, and it's identifying right guys. And I, I do think he's going to succeed. I know he knows how to win. I, I think he'll get it done. And and I think progress for K State this year is just getting bowl game. They they had they had an eight year streak of of bowls snap last year when they lost at Ames to end the regular season, finished five and seven, and and uh, didn't and, and were left outside. So. I think if he can get to six and six this year, if he can find you know four wins in the Big Twelve, uh, which would be better than what's projected for a team picked to finish ninth, then I, I think that is that's a good start for for Chris Kleiman, and uh, it's not going to be easy. And and I and I say four Big Twelve wins because they go to Mississippi State in the non conference. Mm. I think that's going to that's a tough tough chore. So. If they can, if they can win two non-conference games and find four Big Twelve wins, I think it'd be a good year for yeah. Miss, Mississippi State with former Penn State quarterback Tommy Stevens. So that'd be interesting. Last thing yep. for me, Blair. You've covered the Big Twelve for a long time. Um, 
I've done this in my 24th year. I've never heard this conversation in, in advance of a Big 12 football season that Iowa State's got a chance to uh, to be a factor in this thing and perhaps play for the Big 12 championship. Everybody loves Oklahoma and Texas, but the question that uh, comes next is, well, if it's not them, who? And there's more Iowa State love than I've ever heard. Where are you on Iowa State? Well, I've, I've been telling people that I, the way I feel about Iowa State is I think there's a less of a gap between Oklahoma and Iowa State than there is between Iowa State and Texas. I, I just, I've got Iowa State as two, uh, and, and I think that, um, and, and in this, in the Big 12 now, you just have to finish second. Yep. You don't have to win the Big 12 to finish, finish first to get in the game. So, um, I, I'm, I'm bullish on, on the Cyclones. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like a lot of people. It'd be, it'd be great to see somebody other than Texas and Oklahoma. At the top, look, we've had TCU and Baylor in recent years, Oklahoma State, take their, and K-State even, have a run. It's just not happened for Iowa State. I was there, you know, years ago when they, they had a chance to win a home game over, I think it was over Missouri at the end of the season to be in the Big 12 championship game and couldn't get that done under Dan McCartney. And um, they, they've had moments with Seneca and, and Sage Rosenfels, but it's, you know, it just feels like it's the time. You know, it's this this is just to go into a season with expectation. It's you know, it's got to mm. feel good for for Iowa State fans and and uh, and a little bit nervous, but this is where you want to be. You you want to go into a season thinking you're good and 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 now go on the field and prove it. So uh, I, I think uh, Jack Trice is just going to be a, a fantastic place to watch college football this year. The other team that you cover in college sports, Missouri, not in the Big Twelve, obviously anymore. They're going into now year number eight of the SEC, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Mm. But your coverage in Kansas City and Mizzou and where they are, not part of the Big 12 anymore. They've had some success in the SEC, a couple of championship game appearances. But what is Missouri football in Kansas City now, the importance compared to what it was in the Big 12? Well, you certainly miss the – it's mostly what's changed is is Kansas City. And, you know, where Kansas City was more of a headquarter-type town is more of a branch town when it comes to college football and it's still it's still you know it feels like a, a you know a headquarter town for basketball because of the big 12 tournament and you know it's, it's the you know the center of the, the nerve center for for that week but college football is different and it's um you know missouri is the farthest flung of the of the sec schools in this direction and uh and, and ku and k-state and iowa state are you know far north for the you know for the big 12 and it's it, it just it, it's lost its little kind of center of gravity when it comes to um, you know college football interest. So so it's 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 tough. It's um, you know Missouri is uh, you know still a player and they're expected to have a good season. We had our beat writer on the other day and said he thinks ten and two is uh, is could happen for Missouri this year. Now they've got a bowl ban that they're dealing with right now. Um, they've have, they've appealed a bowl ban. We'll see if that comes for. Uh, um, see if they get the appeal to work for them, but there's there's a lot of excitement about Missouri football. But it's it's not you know Kansas City has to go to Columbia now instead of there being more of a uh, you know just a Missouri as a big part of the Kansas City metro area. Yeah, the Missouri bull uh, bull band on the on the heels of the announcement this past weekend doesn't seem like the fairest of situations. But right. after all, it's the NCAA and Kelly Bryant's there, so they'll be fun to watch. Yep. Blair, listen, it's great to talk to you. Wish we had more time, uh, but look forward to doing this uh, in the weeks ahead. Thank you, Blair Kirkhoff. Appreciate it as always. Okay.
Take care, you guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star. Quick break. Zuba Mahente joins the program next. Miller and Condon uh, continuing until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.org. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. I'm Miller Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 25 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. Zubin Mahente momentarily. Trent and I are with you until noon tomorrow. Looking forward to our conversation with David Kaplan. That will be fun, especially if it doesn't go the Cubbies way tonight. Changes are a coming, Trent, and I think you're, we're on to something. Wilson Contreras. Anyways, we'll save that for later. Let's go around the world of sports as we do every Tuesday about this time with our buddy Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, Trent and Ken, how are you? Good guys, what's up? Well, you know where I want to start? I want to go back to Saturday night, to week zero, if you will. Miami and Florida, the A team was there as far as the ABC, ABC ESPN's A team, uh, was in the booth. Fowler and uh, Maria Taylor on the sidelines and Herb Street beside Chris Fowler. So the A team was there. It was college football. It was on our TV and people tuned in to watch this, Zubin, but. A lot of people that follow the sport on a regular basis were disappointed with the product they see or saw. I thought Trent made a good point. Said, wait till this week. It'll be exactly the same in week one as it was for those teams in week zero. Um, just your thoughts. Uh, do, do you think that this is going to continue in the years to come, two marquee schools playing in week zero? I think so, because I think a lot of it just simply comes down to recruiting. Now, this is interesting because this is two schools in the same state that are fighting for the same players. Some of these guys played with one another. So I think that adds a little bit of a layer down there locally. But if you're living where I live or living where you guys live, I think it just comes down to you get to a point where the entire nation has an opportunity to watch you. It is an unbelievable opportunity for recruiting. Now, obviously, the Andrew Luck thing happened. So, you know, it sucked a lot out of the air, out of the game in the second half. Even though it was a crazy game down the stretch, tons of penalties, tons of craziness. And you can even argue the other week zero game was going to end up being one of the more exciting games of the season. We're only two games into the season. Mm -hmm. And Arizona and Hawaii gave us a great one. But considering the platform, sure, it was sloppy. Uh, Yeah, both teams had a chance to win. Yeah, both teams at times looked like they were trying to throw the game away to the other side. But I just think what it does, for recruiting from a standalone standpoint. So, you know, Alabama's got to Saturday. It's a marquee game. It's also on ABC, but it's one of those situations where it's got to fight for attention with Oregon and Auburn, and it's got to fight for attention with so many other things. I just think having that game as a standalone, I think most coaches realize the value of having all eyes on your team, even if it's just for three hours, three hours and 15 minutes, three hours and 30 minutes. To your point, Ken, if it turns out to be three hours and 30 minutes of sloppy football, I'm not sure what kind of advertisement that is. But to have a standalone game like that where everybody's watching and the countdown to football is on, and next year it'll be the 151st year, not the 150th year, I don't think any coaches or students mind that. That's just a nice little TV wraparound to have that nice round number. Um, but I just think for what it is worth for your program, long and short term, you play the game, you lose the game, it's okay. I just think the benefits so outweigh the risk. Zubin, you uh, mentioned Saturday night the change in plans with Andrew Luck. 
I always love to go kind of behind the curtain with you. So you guys have hmm. Sports Center set up. All right, we're going to recap Miami, Florida. We're going to get into this. And all of a sudden, one of the biggest sports stories of the year comes down with the retirement of Andrew Luck. Take us behind the scenes and, and what you had to do to pull that show together. Yeah, I mean, it happened, I think, at 9.28 Eastern time. And we were just like everybody else. Believe it or not, we're sitting there at ESPN wondering if this is a fake Schefter. I mean, <laughs> nice. I mean, we're, um, usually everything gets cleared. We have like an internal news wire where, you know, hey, there's a lot of stuff floating. There's a fake Rappaport account. There's a fake Schefter mm-hmm. account. Just be uber careful. Don't go with anything until we give you the word. Um, but Adam, once you kind of had Adam up, and you got the blue check mark, you're just sort of like, well, I think I think this is accurate. And But even we paused. I remember. Even we paused when it happened. And then you just go into full reaction mode. And I would say this, and you guys know this because you guys talk about several topics every day. And this is the rare topic, and I know Grok came out today and had some things about his retirement mm-hmm. that needed to be added in. You could lump it in with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Chris Borland, Calvin Johnson, all these things have been talked about. But in today's news cycle, it is amazing. That story obviously became the biggest story of Saturday, blew everything out of the water. It was the biggest story of Sunday. Yep. It was the biggest story of Monday. And maybe it's slowing down just a touch today. But in our news cycle, as long as the story doesn't involve something like life or death, mm-hmm. like literal life or death, whether it's something as tragic as Aaron Hernandez or O.J. Simpson I'm just talking about sports stories where we, we like to use the word life or death in non-literal terms. But when you're talking about it in non-literal terms, Andrew Luck is sort of one of those stories that just kept on going, whereas even the biggest of stories, we move on. The day after the Patriots beat the Rams and there was no touchdowns in the Super Bowl, everybody shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, that's great, let's move on. <laughs> and even events like that just get one day of shelf life. And for this story to linger the way that it has, I think Bruce Arians said it the best on Sundays. I mean, literally everybody practically has weighed in on Twitter with what they think, and it's caused media feuds, and it's caused fan feuds, and it's caused Colts feuds and fans and all that stuff. I, I think, you know, Arians just said, look, uh, I coached the guy. I broadcast two of his games last year when he was at CBS prior to joining the Bucks, And he just said, we don't know the complete story. And I think everybody wants to think they know the story and everybody wants to think they know they could suck up that amount of pain or he's a quitter or whatever your side is and how you want to accentuate that point. But, you know, Arians is a guy that knows him inside and out and said we don't know the complete story. And I think we, after watching Andrew Luck after seven years, know that he's probably one of the more private individuals in the NFL, probably holds a lot of stuff in, and we're probably never going to know the entire story. So, and it was interesting for Arians to say that because I think with all these stories and social media, I think everybody kind of feels like they can put all the puzzle pieces together, even though all of us are so far removed from it. Um, he's one of the more detached superstars you're going to meet. Um, but I kind of always think about what Arians said. Like, there's just something we still don't know and we may never know. But the fact that it was able to last as long as it did in the mind of sports fans is just don't, it's something you don't see in our rapid-fire sports cycle. No no doubt about it. Some of his teammates knew before the game, and the buzz is it uh, kind of trickled out there when Schefter broke the news, and now everybody's got on their phone at the stadium, and you know the stadium became very aware. What impressed me, Zubin, and we'll move on from this, is you know he was going to apparently have his press conference on Sunday. Now we know that he, they'd wanted to do it on Friday, but for whatever reason thought, you know, sleep on it one more night, Andrew, and if you still feel that way, then we'll do it. But for him to be able to face the 
to face the media uh, with the owner of the team in the room, with his wife in the room, and be as poised as he was, and to remember to thank so many people, you know, from from security guys as he's walking into the building at Lucas Oil. He remembered those people's name. What, what a class, class act, and, you know, disappointing, obviously, that there were some knuckleheads um, that uh, that felt they, the need to boo um so 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 whatever Zubin, let's move on uh and when let's let's go back to the college game if you are so inclined is there one game that you guys at ESPN are paying more attention to this weekend uh cuz we've got we've got games Saturday Friday well Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and Monday is there one game that uh you know folks at ESPN are not that probably not paying more attention to but um you know that's getting more more buzz behind it if you will I mean, I think the Auburn Oregon game is gigantic for so many reasons. I mean, for so many reasons on both sides. I think most of the attention, obviously, is going on Oregon and what can happen after last year's Washington situation with Auburn and how much that set the Pac-12 back and is Oregon in the same spot. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps a chance to launch a Heisman campaign for Justin Herbert. But I look at the other side, too. I think there's so many interesting things when you look at it from Auburn's standpoint, they're starting a freshman quarterback. If they lose this game, it's not like they can't win the SEC, obviously. But if you look at their schedule, it is hugely difficult. And so to be 0-1 after week one without playing a single SEC game, uh, that could be difficult for Auburn's side. Um, there's obviously talk about, you know, 10 years later bringing the game back after it was won by a field goal. There's so many Oregon fans that think the old, Dyer was down, if you guys remember that from a decade ago. So there's a huge part of that game that will be revisited. But one thing that we were uh, digging up the other day that I thought was so interesting, and this just shows you how much college football has changed and really how much the NFL draft has changed and how one weaves into the other. When Oregon played in that game, a losing, and obviously Cam Newton and Nick Fairley and Auburn was loaded and they had plenty of guys that were going to the NFL, there was only one guy from that Auburn team, one guy, that was drafted the following April, hmm. only one guy, and that was Casey Matthews, and he was drafted in the fourth round. And we were talking about it the other day. Can you imagine another team that goes to the college football playoff? Now, granted, I don't think there's that much of a difference between the BCS era and the CFP era, but can you imagine a team from the college football playoff era that has one guy drafted the following April. I just looked it up the other day because we were talking about it. Alabama had 10 guys drafted in April. Clemson had six. So when you think about a team getting to the championship, I can't imagine a team today could get there. And out that roster of 85 guys, we got one guy that's going to go in April, and he'll go in the fourth round, and he'll hopefully have a decent career. That just tells me how much has changed in college football over the last decade since these two last met, obviously at a much bigger stage for a much larger prize but i can't imagine that i mean georgia gets there this year texas gets there this year clemson again i mean all these teams just have so many bona fide nfl stars that are just ready to go to the next level and that oregon didn't uh, and still made it that far was pretty remarkable college football and of course the nfl around the corner zubin is a busy time i do want to go backwards with you though for a moment Little League World Series just wrapped up. It's one of my favorite events of the sports calendar. But anymore, I used to be so deep into it. The coverage, starting with the regionals and then into the Little League World Series, every game's televised. You can see every one. It feels like too much at times. I 
I don't want to go back to the days where it was just the championship game and that's all you got Brent to Musburger, see. Brent right? Yes, yeah. absolutely, on ABC uh, back in the 80s and 90s. But it does feel like overkill. Still gets numbers, but your thoughts overall on the Little League World Series? Yeah, I mean, I think what they're trying to do here, and you're right, and you may be kind of the forefront of what's happening, um, they are mixing up the Little World Little League World Series. It kind of went under the radar. Some people may not have heard about it um, because, obviously, you had this kid, Reese Roussel, for Louisiana, who set the all-time hit record. They've been playing this thing since 1947, and that's pretty impressive. But you're right, Trent. I think some fans are like yourself, and they want to see some changes. And I do know that starting in 2021, right now there's 16 teams, eight, year, uh, eight international and then eight American teams. Um, and in 2021, they're actually going to move it to 20 teams. Now, I don't know if that's going to whet your appetite anymore, but we're going to have Cuba, Panama, and Puerto Rico gaining direct access. And I think a lot of people feel that there's some tremendous talent in Cuba that we never get to see. Uh, Puerto Rico's done well over the years. And we do have a couple more U.S. teams that are going to be added. There'll be a new mountain region. It's going to include Montana, Wyoming, Utah, and Nevada. Uh, again, that maybe doesn't affect Central Iowa so much. There will be another metro region, which is going to be comprised of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Even the softball World Series for the girls is going to go from 10 teams to 12 teams. So I don't know if that's something that would wet your appetite or get you more fired up. I'm guessing not because it's not really an opportunity to follow any of this until they all get to Williamsport. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but they do feel what you're saying. Trent. They are trying to mix it up in some ways by adding some more international countries, guaranteed from Cuba, Panama, and Puerto Rico, and trying to get a couple more U.S. states uh, involved. Again, I don't know if that does anything to float your boat, hmm. but I do know that they are doing a little something uh, to mix it up, and it's noteworthy, not this year, but next year. I was asked to, uh, we were asked to ask you, so I will, uh, just uh, the conversation amongst the uh, the NFL guys uh, at ESPN. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was so bad against, I mean, just terrible against Denver. I think he was 0 for 7, uh, maybe 1 for 7 for, for no yards, something like that. Zubin was awful. Better against the Chiefs. Uh, are Niner fans, who they've got a decent team. I'm not sure that they're going to compete with the Rams, but perhaps. Garoppolo, uh is he back after that injury? Is he tentative? Beathard got a chance to supplant Mullins. What about Jimmy G? What are the thoughts at, uh, in Bristol on him? All of our guys, we were on after that game. It was against the Broncos, right, Ken? I yep. think we did sports yep. center after that game. And we were honing in, and all of our guys just, I wouldn't say refer to it as a one-off because they know Jimmy G is great. I think they just refer to it as a one-off because everybody has games like this. And the, the corollary was Kyler Murray who in his second preseason game also had a disastrous game. I think he was 3-for-8 for 12 yards, bounced back, played pretty well against the Vikings over the weekend. And obviously, I think even though Cliff Kingsbury said there might be a sliver of a chance that he plays a tiny bit in the fourth preseason game, since he's obviously uh, the day-one starter against the Lions on Sunday, September 8th, that they would shut him down. But I think our guys more along the line said to themselves, you know, hasn't really played a game in quite a while didn't see the rush coming. Believe it or not, as bad as that performance was, Ken, it could have been worse. There was a pick six that was dropped by the Broncos. Yes, there was. Taken in for a score. Mm-hmm. So if you could imagine a guy being as poor as Garoppolo was in that game. Right in front of the Niners bench, Zubin. Right. Yeah. It could have been way worse. But I think a lot of people here at ESPN, and, you know, I mean, I'm not inside the game this much, but there are a ton of people here at ESPN that have the utmost respect for Kyle Shanahan. And at this point, it actually might be more on Shanahan than it is on Garoppolo, that they think Kyle Shanahan can make it work, what he was able to do 
with Matt Ryan in that great year, what he was able to do with other quarterbacks that he's been aligned with. So when you sign Garoppolo to that sort of deal, you think, hey, he's the future. Now, granted, they've been banged up on offense with McKinnon. Bosa's been hurt on defense. They've never quite been healthy since John Lynch has been running the team, but injuries are a part of every team. But I think as we talk to our NFL people, there are more people at this moment, and obviously things can change, but there are more people bullish on Jimmy Garoppolo, not say because of Jimmy Garoppolo's skill or that 5-0 and run he had a couple years ago, but because of the fact that he's being mentored and tutored by Kyle Shanahan. So I thought that was impressive, that they would actually be willing to say, maybe Garoppolo's lost a little bit, maybe just as obviously rusty, but more than just thinking Jimmy G will be able to turn it around on his own, he's got a guy there in Kyle Shanahan that's basically been able to make it work with almost every quarterback he has had. Even they had the most success with RG3 uh, back in 2020, trying to turn it around with him. Uh, and even that worked to an extent when they were able to say, hey, we'll try to adjust to your strength uh, in your rookie year. So I think more guys are bullish on Garoppolo because he's attached to the hip with Shanahan, which is something I wouldn't have thought about necessarily a month ago. But that's where a lot of our guys are bullish. Zubin, I love the college game more than the NFL just because of the variety. What you see, teams running triple options, five wide, all kinds of different things in between. But there's a gadget-type player that continues to intrigue me, and that's Taysom Hill with New Orleans. Of course, Breeze is a starter. Teddy Bridgewater is the backup. But I think they used him about 200 snaps a year ago, doing all kinds of different things as a wide receiver, moving him around. And it looks like they're going to do more. These kind of things in the NFL have always intrigued me. Ronnie Brown running the Wildcat for the Dolphins 15 years ago. Those types of things. Taysom Hill, have you heard from your NFL guys? Are the Saints going to do even more with him and get him involved more as Drew Brees uh, inches his way towards retirement? Our guys love Taysom Hill. I don't know if they love him as much as to plant Teddy Bridgewater and obviously being college quarterback at BYU helped. But the one thing I hear from our guys all the time, specifically about guys like Taysom Hill, and he continues to play well and he played very well uh, in the preseason, continues to do good things. Um, I would say this. There used to be, I guess, this notion that you need all 53 to work and everybody plays a role and the last guy on special teams is able to do something and the quarterback's able to do something and everybody in between. But now what I think you're seeing with rosters is specialization, you know, we might pay Todd Gurley the most any quarter, running back has been guaranteed in the history of the NFL. And I think not too long ago, guys, if you were going to pay running back the most guaranteed dollars in the history of the NFL in your position, that guy had to be a workhorse. There's just no two ways about it. If you're going to pay that much to a position that is diminishing returns that people have soured on in the draft, uh, unless you're uber special talent like Todd Gurley, you want to get as much as you can get out of that guy. If you sign a quarterback to a monster deal and it's a passing league, you want to get everything you can out of that guy. But I certainly think there are certain positions now, guys not playing in the preseason, guys staying fresh, that guys are going to be out there to execute what they can and just execute it perfectly. In other words, go out there and give me some quality of snaps instead of a quantity of snaps. Now, if you're a great player, you can go out there for a quantity of snaps and just be a fake, be a decoy, get out there and make the defense think about something when you're flanked out to the right or you're back there in the shotgun after Breeze is on the sideline for one snap. But with the way that they've handled Todd Gurley, and obviously Taysom Hill is not in that financial category, I think it's just permeating throughout the league now that you're going to see guys that don't have to be in there all the time. I wouldn't call it quite gadget trend, but guys that when they come into the game, they make their presence felt, whether it's just to keep somebody honest or whether it's to do something. Years ago, guys like that wouldn't make a roster 
because it's not enough to have this guy on the roster to do just that. In some ways, that's what was hurting Tim Tebow, right? They didn't exactly know what he was, but he was on roster to roster, from Denver to the Jets to the Pats. They couldn't quite figure out a way to get him going. I believe if you had a guy like Tebow on the roster today, much like you have with the Tate and Hill, that's a quarterback that can do a variety of things, he could actually stick and stay. But a few years ago, even a guy like Jason Hill would have to be like, what's my value on this team? How many snaps am I really out there? What am I really doing? And a lot of coaches would say, I'm not really sure he fills the role of having one of our 53 spots. Is he out there enough? But as I think the league has changed, injuries have changed, concussions have changed, practice times have been scaled back. A guy like him can really thrive because it's not about the snaps anymore. It's just about what he can do when he gets out there. And I don't think the league used to think that thought that way. And I think they're thinking that way a lot more these days. Zubin Mahente, ESPN. Uh, Zubin, I'll ask I know the answer. Nothing on game day on uh, for Cyhawk, right, <laughs> at this point? I threw my best one out there. I really did. Um, <laughs> we'll see what ends up happening, but... Uh, Rest assured, I the, little, the very little weight I have, tiny. <laughs> Zubin Mahente's behind it. Good stuff, Zubin. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, friend. See you. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Come back and finish things up. It's, oh, 14 minutes before the hour of noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Final couple of minutes. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Murph and Andy at 2. Fanatics at 4. Tomorrow morning, the morning rush will start it all over on a Wednesday. David Kaplan will be a part of the program tomorrow, so will Bill Bender from the Sporting News. TC, what's on the docket for you tonight? Your twins are back in action. They are. Giolito on the bump for the White Sox. Ooh, boy, he pitched a gem his last start, yes, did he not? Yes, he My did. God. He was really, really that good. that was against the twins, the target. It was. Yeah. It was. So, you know... The Indians are banged up. Jose Ramirez broken yeah, I saw hand. That. Not good for them. Kluber got shut down after uh-huh. he was rehabbing and looking like he was getting very close to coming back. Yeah. And the Twins are going to be getting back Buxton within the next week. For how long? <laughs> Ten days. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers yeah, crossed. We joke, but yeah, yeah. they're going to be getting Hild- Hildenberger back, who's been really good mm, on good. his rehab assignment. Uh, what do they call him? I don't know how to say the turtle in Spanish. Astadio. He's yeah, going to be back. Yeah. And uh, the kid down at AAA that's throwing 103 miles an hour, he's been really good since they moved him up to AAA. They're gonna and get. He's gonna get a call up. Do you think September first? He's he going really? to be wow. up. They have four. These aren't just a guy that's going to come and run the bases. Mm-hmm. Pretty significant pieces gotcha. that are going to be not joining this Hamilton. team. Right, right. Yeah. That that's just kind of a one trick pony. Right. Or the other kid that moves around. He was with the Cubs for a while. What he's with the uh, with the Royals forever. Jared Dyson. No, uh, not, not the the other speedster. T- starts with the T. Terrell Gore. Terrell Gore. Yes, yes. He, yeah, one-trick pony. One-trick pony, right? Terrence Gore. Terrence Gore. Terrence Gore. That is the guy, yeah. So I'm I'm confident, as confident as I can be going forward, but stop losing the White Sox and Tigers, please. Yeah, really. Got to get that going. Because the schedule uh, gets a little deeper the next couple of weeks, right? It does. After these two series with the White Sox and Tigers, then it's twice with the Indians, the Red Sox are in there, and the Nationals. Mm, boy, Washington's good. Yeah, that's going to be a difficult run for them. So keep your head above water, dominate these teams over the next two series, and then go from there. 
Cubs tonight. You Darvish has been terrific. And if they're going to get one, I would think Stroman hasn't been good since he's come over from the Blue Jays for them. Guys, it's Syndergaard tomorrow. Syndergaard Hendricks is really good. And then Lester, who has been really bad against DeGrom on Thursday. So, as you said at the beginning of the show for the Cubs, you want to get two out of three. But, man, they're on the road, Trent. And the road has not been kind to these Cubs. And then, of course, we have the Cardinals. And you'll hear that game here on KXNO tonight. Yep. As they're in Milwaukee for game two, 640 tonight. It was at 6 o'clock start last night, 640 with the first pitch this evening. Three up to begin play tonight for the Redbirds. Hauser is favored here. The Brewers are favored. Minus 140. Seemed pretty significant. Yeah, that's surprising. I jumped on the Cardinals right away. Did you? What did you say? They're now 14-3? and three? Uh, In their last 17. The last 17. How about that? I'll take plus money with that. He would. Absolutely mm-hmm. in that spot. Anything else baseball tonight? Oh, you said hard knocks tonight. Hard knocks yeah. at 9. That'll be uh, for me. So the Cubs play early, so they mm-hmm. should be ending about their time. Right. Yeah, maybe a little bit uh, delayed, but that's all right. Do you um, have to watch it live hard no, knocks? No, I watch okay. it. I'm always behind. DVR it. Yes, and... DVR. And I'll, ca- I'll watch it tonight before I turn in, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and stay off Twitter. Twitter has them. There's not a lot. I don't follow a lot of people that, you know, tweet hard knocks. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, minute by minute. There's a few. Frank Schwab does Yahoo Sports. He watches it and tweets about it pretty closely. Um, so at some point, we got to go on record with what we think Iowa and Iowa State are going to be this year record-wise. Yes. We've got till Friday to do that. But, man, it's just football season. It's just so jam-packed on our show. It is. We got so many people to mm-hmm. talk to, so many things we want to get into and break down and have you changed much? Have you evolved from where you were this summer? Yes. You have. I think Penn State's going to be better. You do? Their offense is putrid. Yeah. Their defense is really good. Defense is really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know we know you love means. the Gophers. You're also probably part of the, that group over in Oma, or in uh, Council Bluffs that <laughs> bet on Nebraska to win <laughs> to the national, win the national championship. championship. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I am, Trent. I'm all in. Hard-earned money. Speaking of that, have you made your first legal wager yet? No. And I won't. You not, not at all? Well, I won't. You won't. No, not personally. On the app? No, I'm 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 going to have someone else do it. I mean, I'm going to play. Right. But it's just it's it's awkward for me, right? I got you. Yeah, it's just awkward. So Go I'm, sign up your account, then you can just do it. No, from, I don't from want. From I'm not going to sign up for an account. But no? I might have a family member that made you. I inclined to do that. We'll see. Uh, we shall see. Uh, no, but got to bet on those Winnipeg Jets. I will do that, and of course, I've got my. 100 star release of the year on Saturday. Oh, yes. And we'll get that pick on Friday. Indeed, show. we will. Uh, thank you for being here with us today, uh, Gary Rima, Blair Kirkhoff, Zubin Mahente, Trent, and I. Appreciate you folks, the audience, being with us as well. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, Morning Rush tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.